Well, as Scott said, my name is Brett Brewster, and this is my wife, Jan. Uh, we've been married for 35 years now, and um, we were high school sweethearts. And so uh, we have two children, two boys. They're grown now. We have Garrett, who's 31, and he's married. This is a picture of us a couple of days before we got married. And uh, then uh, we, uh, we have Garrett, our son, 31, and he's married to Alex, And this is a picture of our family now, just taken recently. And then our younger son, Travis, there, who's 27 and married to Robin. And uh, we're blessed. They're they're great kids. So uh, as I said, Jan and I are high school sweethearts, and we're super grateful for God's grace in saving us and our marriage. Uh, In 2005, we were on the verge of divorce, uh, but God today, thanks to God today, we're, we're stronger than we've ever been. And so we both come from broken homes. And uh, my parents were divorced when I was uh, nine years old. And really all I remember of those earliest years was just constant arguing of my parents. Uh, a lot of yelling. My childhood was never one that felt peaceful at home. And though my mother was the daughter of a, of a Baptist preacher and a believer, when she left home, uh, she found the world so much more enticing uh, than following Jesus. And so she, you know, contrary to the recommendation of her parents, um, she married my father, who was an unbeliever. And it just did not go well at all. Um, I spent lots of time with my grandparents uh, during the worst of the turmoil, and, uh, and my grandfather led me to Christ. But my mother, after the divorce, she remarried another unbeliever, and uh, because of his job, we moved away. And so my grandfather had led me to Christ, but I really didn't, after that, uh, have anyone in my life to really disciple me. Uh, I would see my grandparents occasionally at Christmas, that kind of thing. Um, But I just didn't receive any discipling, and I had absolutely no examples in my life of anyone who lived an abiding relationship with the Lord. I grew up in a house in which my father was basically never at home. He was an alcoholic, as were his parents, and he didn't become sober until long after I was an adult. He was constantly gone on the, the professional rodeo circuit or busy doing anything but being home with his wife and three daughters. One of my most painful memories is when I was a young Girl Scout and my father failed to show up at a father-daughter dance. I was the only girl at the dance whose father didn't show up. The father of another girl felt sorry for me and offered to dance with me, but I didn't want to, and I could still feel that sharp sense of humiliation that overwhelmed me that night. When I compared myself with the other girls there, all I could think about was that they must be worthwhile because their fathers had shown up. And I, on the other hand, must not be, because mine didn't. My mother took my sisters and I to church occasionally when we were young, but she was not a believer and found some imagined reason to get mad at the church, and we quit going. So as Jan and I began our married lives, we were both products of our environments, Uh, Neither one of us had any idea what a real marriage was supposed to look like. We both just assumed that we would make each other happy. 
And in many ways, we did, but we were both broken and selfish, and so problems began to manifest. Um, And though we really didn't understand it, uh, both of us were subject to depression, and I, in particular, developed the habit of relying on alcohol as a way of coping with that depression. We would fight, and when I had been drinking, um, I just was not a fun person to argue with. And on top of the drinking, I'd grown up in an environment where all the conflicts uh, were engaged in with anger and yelling. And so when Jan and I had conflict, I would say very unkind things and be verbally abusive of Jan and sometimes really just have fits of rage. And when this happened, I would later feel remorseful and apologize. Jan is a very forgiving person, so she would forgive, but the cycle would just later repeat itself. After our children were born, Brett and I began to attend church. During that period, I accepted Christ as my Savior. However, we still had problems in our marriage. I convinced myself that all the problems in our marriage were his fault. It was easy to blame him because I could point to his drinking. But the truth was that I, too, had lots of sin, and that was contributing to our problems. I would just hide behind the fact that his sin was more visible. The truth was that I had been reared in an environment where no one ever admitted when they were wrong and where feelings and emotions reigned supreme and were never to be challenged. So in retrospect, there were many times where Brett would be right in challenging me on my thinking or my actions, but I would not allow it. It was extremely rare for me to ever ask for forgiveness. I would simply withdraw from a conversation if I didn't see any way to blame him. Anything was preferable to admitting that I was wrong or that I needed to ask forgiveness. That was something I just didn't do. Since that point, Jan and I have come to understand that we were created not just to believe in Christ as our Savior, but to love him supremely and to center our very lives on him above everything else and to build our identities on him. And when we build our lives on anything else, uh, Jesus tells us that we are building on a foundation of sand and that the storms of life will destroy what we have built. God says in the very first of his Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. And the Bible tells us that sin is not just the doing of bad things, but also the making of good things into ultimate things. And it is seeking to establish a sense of self by making something or someone else more central to your significance, purpose, and happiness than the relationship to God. And this is exactly what happened to us. Jan and I had both entered our relationship very needy. We both had childhoods that left us feeling insecure and looking to others for our sense of value. And as a result, we were both looking for someone to fill what we perceived was missing in our lives. We loved each other very deeply, but because we did not have God in his proper place as the ultimate in our lives, our relationship was crumbling. In Pastor Tim Keller's book, The Reason for God, he quotes another author who says, No human relationship can bear this burden of godhood. 
If your spouse is your all, then any shortcoming in him or her becomes a major threat to you. What is it that we want when we elevate our spouse to this position? We want to be rid of our feeling of nothingness. To know our existence has not been in vain. We want redemption, nothing else, less. I mean, Needless to say, humans cannot give this. This is exactly where we were as a couple. We wanted each other to fulfill our every need, but neither one of us could live up to that expectation. And so my reaction to this state of affairs was to abuse alcohol as a way of coping with my depression and frustration and to rage and anger when Jan didn't meet my every expectation. We had a very negative pattern of communication. If there were any kind of disagreement between us, I would escalate and Jan would withdraw. What might begin as a minor disagreement over something inconsequential would very quickly turn into a terrible argument. At this point, I had begun to suffer so badly from depression that I began to struggle with very dark thoughts, even contemplating what a relief death would be. I never actually had suicidal thoughts, but I was in a very dangerous place emotionally and spiritually. During that time, it never even occurred to me that any of our struggles were my fault. I considered it obvious that all our problems were due to his drinking. And when I went to see a psychiatrist to get help with my depression, he just basically reinforced my belief that none of this was my fault. His solution was to prescribe antidepressants and to tell me that the real source of my problems was twofold. First, brain chemistry, which the drugs were supposed to help. And second, that my husband was at fault because of his drinking and anger. He never even suggested that I look at my own shortcomings. For my part, I looked at the overt sin of Brett's drinking and told myself that this was the sole source of my problems, that all our marriage problems were entirely his fault. All of this led to a point in 2005 that when I came home from a business trip, Jan informed me that she wanted a divorce. I was devastated. I tried to get her to give me another chance, but she said she'd already talked to a lawyer, and so her decision was final. Our kids came home from school, and we sat them down, and amidst many tears, told them what was happening, and it was a horrible day. That evening, I gathered some clothes and went to my mother's house, who lived nearby. And that night, I had a dream, and I will tell you, I I never put any stock in dreams and rarely remember what I dreamed. And if I do, it makes no sense. Um, But this one was very different. And to this day, I can remember it crystal clear as if it had just happened. And I was on a ship at sea. And uh, there was this terrible storm overwhelming the ship. And uh, it was being destroyed and, and me with it. And so there was, for some reason, there was broken glass everywhere, and I had huge shards of glass embedded in throughout my body, and there was blood everywhere. It was very graphic, horrible. Um, and then suddenly, I heard what was clearly to me the voice of God, and He confirmed. He said, "Yeah, yeah, the the you are being destroyed by the storm." And then He said, "And you are." the storm. Uh, By living for myself with no regard for God's will, 
I was destroying both myself and my family. I woke up aware of how broken I was and begging God to forgive me and to give me another chance. From that day forward, Brett began to change. I could see that he was different, and we began anew. We both turned our lives over to God and decided to make him our first priority. We recognized that if our lives and our marriage were going to be put back into order, Christ would have to be our king. It was not an immediate process. We both had to learn how to abide in Christ daily, and I had much yet to learn about my own sinful patterns. I had to work hard to humble myself and learn to admit when I was wrong. I had to learn to ask for forgiveness because Brett, because as Brett began to change, it became more and more obvious to me that not all of our problems were his fault. I saw that I too was broken and needed to submit myself to the transformation that only Christ could bring. We now had real hope. We had belonged to a church for years, but as we began to search for God anew and to read the Bible daily, we realized that the church we were involved in did not treat God's word with the authority that it merits. We found a church that did see the Bible as the final authority over our lives and began to apply it. The process of learning to follow Christ and trust him was far from an immediate thing. Uh, It took time as we studied the Bible and applied it to our lives. But gradually, as Jan said, we did, and change began to take place. I, myself, entered uh, a Bible-based 12-step program and really began to search what was broken in me. And with God's help, today I am completely free of any desire to escape difficulty with alcohol. Uh, It doesn't mean difficulty doesn't come, but I have resources that I never had before. And so as Christ began to work change in me, my anger began to subside. Uh, It's a weakness that I still sometimes find myself battling, but it's so much better. And Jan and I don't want to pretend that we have a perfect marriage. Uh, We still have struggles, uh, but there's such a difference in our lives and marriage, we can't even really begin to communicate that to you. Uh, We abide daily in the Lord, and, um, and He's our Savior and our Lord over our lives. We have a community of believers around us who are as committed to God and his will for their lives as we want to be, and they keep us from returning to an isolation that we lived in virtually all of our entire married lives until, until that point. And so we're both committed to our marriage in such a way that we can't even imagine how we were thinking, really, when we were seeking to escape from it. Uh, we're just in such a different place. Uh, it's, it's really a miracle. And we're both working on drawing the circle around ourselves. That's such a huge key. And removing the board, as Jesus says, from our own eye uh, before we uh, seek to remove the speck in the other's eye. And I, again, I say we're working on it because we both still fail. Uh, And we know that God's work in each of us won't be finished until he calls us home. But we trust his word, which tells us that he who began a good work in us will perfect it. And thanks be to God, our marriage is the strongest it's ever been. Brett has become a servant leader in our household, and because of his commitment to the will of God, 
which can be seen in every aspect of his life. Our two sons have been transformed by the change they have seen in their lives of their parents. They and their wives are wholly committed to God. We are blessed so much at the mercy God has shown us. We want to close our testimony by encouraging you to trust God. We know that many of you here tonight are in great pain and feel completely hopeless. We want you to know that we understand how you feel. We have been there. The Bible makes it clear that God allows difficult circumstances in our lives in order to help us realize that he is our only hope. If you will respond to the painful period that you are going through with a decision to trust Jesus Christ to both be your Savior and your Lord, then everything will change. You can experience the same transformation that we have. And so um, I want to bring our testimony to a close with uh, really one of my favorite passages in Scripture. Uh, God speaking to us through his prophet Jeremiah. And he contrasts the person who rejects God with the person who puts his trust in God. And so I've lived on both sides of this, and I can assure you of the truth of it. And Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8 says this, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush planted in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes. But its leaves will be green, and it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. And there's one other thing I'd like to add. You know, as I grew up in a Christian home, and I sort of put parentheses around that, um, the, I was always taught that the Bible was kind of about me and about my salvation, and so it was kind of like once I was saved, that was great. I got my golden ticket into heaven. I didn't have to worry about that, and I could go on about my business. And so what happened was I had anything but the life abundant that Jesus had. But I've studied Scripture now, and what I really see is this overarching narrative where God has a purpose. And our fall from grace, our fall from his presence got in the way of that, but God sent his son to restore us so that not only can we be with him forever, but that we can be recommissioned, re-empowered to go about our mission. The mission is his, and we get the privilege of playing a role in that mission. And so the first the first priority in that mission is for us to bring the kingdom of God into our home. And so if you're a believer in Christ and you are thinking that your marriage doesn't matter, then you're very mistaken. And to be honest with you, your life can never be what it should be if you don't work on your first mission at home. So we'll be praying for you. Uh, we love you guys. And um, we just know that if you'll commit yourself to the Lord, that he will indeed reward you. Thanks for giving us this time.